Jesus, I will ponder now on your holy passion. With your spirit, me endow for such meditation. Grant that I, in love and faith, may the image cherish of your suffering, pain, and death, that I may not perish. Amen. Okay. Well, we are... in John chapter 18 and we're at the high priest palace and we had a question about Gethsemane and uh, the word for the group of soldiers and we actually have it twice uh, in verse 3 Company of soldiers, I think NIV has detachment of soldiers. And then uh, verse 12, we have that term company of soldiers again. And uh, the word, I looked it up, the, the Greek word is spira. And so our word spiral comes from it. It's like a Something wound up, and the idea is it's uh, a group of soldiers kind of wound up ready to strike. And they were a tenth of a legion, and a legion was 5,000, so 500. But we're not dealing with classical Greek, we're dealing with Koine Greek. And Koine Greek was the kind of Greek that was uh, spoken locally. It wasn't as formal as classical Greek. It wasn't Greek Greek, it was Palestine Greek. And so sometimes these words were used a little more loosely. And so it can talk to talk about uh, a group of soldiers as a spira. Uh, could be could be 50, could be 100, uh, could be technically 500 if it's a tenth of a legion. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, it's unlikely that Pilate would have sent an entire cohort. Cohort was the Latin word for a tenth of a legion, and that. Spira was uh, the corresponding Greek word to the Latin word cohort. So were there five or six hundred people out there? Uh, if we go with Koine and how they loosely use these terms, probably not. But if they had Roman soldiers out there, that meant they did, that somebody thought they didn't want to mess around. So that's the background uh, behind that particular word. Uh, I would not agree with the author of the People's Bible who just says 600. I, I'm, I would say a large number. Um, uh, the word has a little more of a background to it than just 600. So, so how many were out there? Uh, with Judas to take Jesus, a large number. Probably not in the hundreds. I'd be surprised if there was a hundred, but a large number. Uh, so a detachment of soldiers, a company of soldiers. Uh, one Greek dictionary said a band or uh, Detachment is probably the best way to translate it rather than to call it a cohort. So, uh, so how many? Hard to say. Uh, so, we are, uh, when they were in Gethsemane, and this is a question I think I forgot to ask last time. 
uh, as John records the arrest in Gethsemane. Uh, he talks about the group of soldiers and some people from the, the high priests, the temple guards came with torches, lanterns, and weapons. And then what does Peter do? He pulls out his sword. He pulls out his sword and, cuts off the and he cuts off the ear. And I think I might have said last time, uh, watching Lord of the Rings movies, you don't see anybody hacking off an ear. They're always going for an arm, a leg, going for uh, the vitals. They don't chop off an ear. Uh, how skilled a, a swordsman was Peter? Probably not very skilled as a swordsman for a fisherman. Uh, now, from what you know, from hearing the Passion History read every year, what doesn't John include? The gifts. Hmm? When Judas gives um, Jesus the Yeah, he doesn't include that, but I'm, I'm talking about oh, with Peter the chopping gift. off the guy's ear. The other gospel writers record Jesus puts it back on. Here, John doesn't talk about that. And I suppose I could ask why. Uh, it may be because Matthew and Mark and Luke talk about it. John feels he doesn't have to. Uh, John seems to have a, a, a different purpose that, remember, who's really in charge here? Uh, and it's more important for John to record Jesus saying, put your sword away. But that's, that's one difference. Just because John doesn't record it does not mean it's a contradiction. It means John has a different emphasis. And I think he just, he just records Jesus saying, put your sword away because... That shows he's in charge, and he's going forth willingly. All right, now we got as far as 14, so we're picking it up at 15. So Simon Peter and another disciple kept following Jesus. That disciple was known to the high priest so he went into the high priest's courtyard with Jesus. This unknown disciple is generally thought to be John. Because John never refers to himself very clearly. He's always the disciple who Jesus loved. Or here it's another disciple. Generally, this is thought to be John here. Uh, so, uh, they're in the high priest's courtyard. Peter stood outside by the door. So the other disciple, the one known to the high priest, went out and talked to the girl watching the door and brought Peter in. You are not one of this man's disciples too, are you? The girl at the door asked Peter. I am not, he said. Okay. I think I've said, you, every time you, you, you study the scriptures, you, you get something different out of it, or other thoughts come to mind, or you see different things. Uh, so this time around, I'm thinking about... Uh, well, 15 and 16 and 17. Uh, the other disciple, the one known to the high priest, let's say it's John, he goes and talks to the girl watching the door and brings Peter in. What do you think John says to her? 
was thinking, what's the most basic thing that John could say in keeping with, and let's be literal to what the scripture is saying, but what's the most basic thing that John could say? He's with me. Yeah. Um, uh, miss, uh, I know that the high priest knows me, and uh, my friend and I would like to go and see how the trial turns out for Jesus of Nazareth. So, Peter comes in with John, and the girl asks him, you're not one of his disciples too, are you? And she pretty much knows that he is. She just says She doesn't it. say, you're one of his disciples too. Yeah. She just says, you're one of his disciples. You're not so, one of his... Who is the one that's the friend of the high priest? That's John. But why isn't he being... Because she already, he, he's explained it to her already. And she knows he's a disciple. Pretty much. And then Peter comes in and she says, you're not one of his disciples too, are you? Probably just trying to make conversation. Because John, has, because, John has talked to her. Uh, and... and so she pretty much knows, but Peter denies it. And another thought that I had too is the girl watching the door. How big a threat was she to Peter? And don't call me a chauvinist, but think of a servant girl, what her status in society would be. How big of a threat was she to Peter? I suppose she could have started screaming. Here, he's one of them. He's with Jesus. He's one of his disciples. Why don't you get him too? But yeah, it, it, it seems she wouldn't have been much of a threat to it. First of all, yeah. a woman back in those days, her status was not... And, and a servant. And this also. was a servant yeah. girl, yeah. so she and, was at the bottom of the... Yeah. Well, my footnotes say slave girl. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, yeah, not... So what, how big of a threat was she? <laughs> and, and, and Peter... Big, bold Peter. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so anyway, Peter says, I am not. And then the servants and guard were standing around a fire of coals that they had made because it was cold. While they warmed themselves, Peter was standing with them, warming himself too. Uh, And I imagine Peter is anybody else going to notice me? A little nervous. Uh-oh. Uh, so, change of scene. And this tells me Peter stayed out in the courtyard. John went in. The high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I always taught in a synagogue or at the temple where all the Jews gather. I said nothing in secret. Why are you questioning me? Ask those who heard what I told them. Look, they know what I said. I think it was a week or, a, or maybe it was a couple weeks ago. I talked about mystery religions. Remember that? 
Uh, and Christianity is not a mystery religion. A mystery religion is where there's some kind of hierarchy, maybe some kind of priesthood, and that it's your, your goal to attain higher and higher levels of knowledge and work your way up. And that's, that's kind of how the Gnostics worked. Uh, there are some some mystery religions around us today uh, where it's your goal to get to, these, get to know these secrets and work your way up. And what does Jesus say? I've spoken openly. Uh, Christianity is not a mystery religion. Old Bibles on the internet. Anybody can read it. Uh, somebody wants to know, we hand them a Bible. They say, here it is. All of it. Uh, so, the high priest is questioning Jesus, and Jesus says, I've spoken openly. Ask those who heard me. Uh, and when he said this, one of the guards standing there hit Jesus in the face. Is that how you answer the high priest? If I said something wrong, testify about what was wrong. But if I was right, why did you hit me? Jesus said nothing insulting. He simply said, I've spoken openly. Uh, and remember, he's before Annas, then Annas sends him still bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Uh, Annas is the old high priest. He hasn't really been high priest since the year 14. And now a number of his sons have become high priests. And now this is the son-in-law, Caiaphas. But it seems Annas still has some control. you got to talk to Annas first. Uh, and Do we know anything about him? Why was he demoted by the uh, Romans? Yeah, well, was, the Romans kind of, it seems they like to play around with the high priests. And that the high priesthood was supposed to be a hereditary thing, father to son. Uh, and the Romans seem to like to shuffle them around. Maybe they didn't want one guy to get too powerful. But what it seems is that we've got kind of a, Annas is the godfather, and then he sends his, my son and I just watched the godfather. So that's why I'm thinking of it. Annas is the godfather, and then he's trying to pull the strings no matter who, which of his sons or son-in-law happens to be the high priest. He still has some control over things. So you got to talk to him first. And then considering what uh, the historian Josephus tells us, it was the family of the high priest that was running that market in the court of the Gentiles. So, yeah, it was a crime family. And yeah, they were profiteering off of their position as high priest. And were doing things to try to keep control. And so why are they after Jesus? What did he do Palm Sunday afternoon? Uh, how dare you turn my father's house into a market? So, uh, so they said, go from Annas to Caiaphas. So Simon Peter continued to stand there warming himself. So they said to him, you're not one of his disciples too, are you? 
he denied it, saying, I am not. And then the very thing he doesn't want to hear. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, said, Didn't I see you with him in the garden? And Peter denied it again. And just then a rooster crowed. And so you can, if you kind of put yourself in Peter's place, it's just kind of like it, it's intensifying each time. And each time getting more and more afraid. And he doesn't need to be. And Jesus told him all of this was going to happen beforehand. Uh, Peter denied it again. John doesn't say too much about Jesus before Caiaphas. Uh, he goes right to uh, Jesus before Pilate. And I'm letting people look at the handout this time around. Just for the map. Yeah, don't don't look at the other stuff because I got my questions and answers both in there. Uh, so uh, the Praetorium uh, on the map and the handout, uh, you see that lower section. It's kind of in gray. It's called Upper City, and then up in that corner. The northwest corner, uh, it says Praetorium, and next to Herod's Palace. Uh, Caiaphas's house uh, is thought to be in that bluish section just to the south. Um, so it, it seems uh, Pilate did all of his judging and all of his uh, audiences with the Jewish leaders uh, near Herod's fortress and at that praetorium. So, early in the morning, the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the praetorium. They did not enter the praetorium themselves so that they would not become ceremonially unclean. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate went out to them and said, What charge do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. Uh, okay. Uh, do they answer his question? What charge do you bring against him? If he weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have brought him. Uh, that's not really answering the question. Uh, yeah. Use that the next time you're called up for ju jury duty. If he's not a criminal, why is he on trial? You know, I, I know a guilty person when I see one. Uh, it's not really an answer. Uh, and uh, to Pilate, the, the injustice is evident right away. Uh, there's a couple things that I notice about Pilate in these two chapters. Is that he, he seems irritated and 
somewhat boastful, somewhat, in, because he's irritated, he's kind of insulting to the Jewish leaders as he's dealing with them. Uh, there's one spot in chapter 19, and I was working on that today, uh, where I thought this is a little different, but then he goes back to the, the boastful, bold, cocky, irritated pilot. Uh, so, uh, so if this man were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to him. Uh, and Pilate tells them, take him yourselves and judge him according to your own law. Does he want to deal with it? No, if they're not even going to tell him the charge, he doesn't want to deal with it. Uh, the Jews said it is not legal for us to put anyone to death. This happened so the statement Jesus had spoken indicating what kind of death he was going to die would be fulfilled. If you think of, well, in John 3.14 where he says the Son of Man will be lifted up uh, and several places in Matthew uh, Jesus says we are going up to Jerusalem the Son of Man is going to be handed over to be crucified so To be executed by the Romans means being executed by crucifixion. We'll talk more about crucifixion later. Uh, for now we'll say crucifixion was capital punishment. It had the, had the goal of killing somebody for a crime, but it also had the, a shame factor horror factor, a terror factor. Um, and I think I've said it before, this is how the Romans ruled their whole empire, with terror. And that even their entertainment was all about keeping up this impression of terror. What do they, what do, they do for kicks? They go watch gladiators hack away at each other. They're, they're bloody, uh, totalitarian, uh, awful people. Uh, so that was all the, the might of the Roman Empire. It was based on terror, based on the use of force. And uh, that's why uh, they practiced crucifixion. If you look at uh, I've got a graphic, it's from a painting, uh, that's a little different from the paintings of uh, crucifixions of Jesus that we often see. This has the, the roads lined with crosses. Anybody ever see the movie Spartacus with Kirk Douglas? And... Uh, that that slave rebellion took place about 100 BC and uh, in the movie at the end, Kirk Douglas is Spartacus, the leader of a slave rebellion and uh, the Roman soldiers get them all corralled together, get Spartacus and his whole army corralled together. And uh, at the end of the movie, uh, the centurion says, which one of you is Spartacus? And Kirk Douglas stands up and says, I'm Spartacus. And then his friends respect him and love him so much that they stand up and they start saying, I'm Spartacus, I'm Spartacus, I'm Spartacus. And then the centurion says, crucify them all. And that's how the movie ends. Uh, but that 
Uh, imagine traveling down the road and seeing that. If you were a slave or a non-citizen, that would be a, a terrifying thing. Uh, that was the goal of crucifixion. That's why, uh, well, Jesus was crucified outside the city, but the Romans often did that in public places, in places where people would be coming and going. So the shame factor. So all of that is in 32, the kind of death that Jesus was going to die. <clears throat> Pilate went back into the praetorium and summoned Jesus. He asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, are you saying this on your own or did others tell you about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own people and your chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus replied, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I would not be handed over to the Jews but my, now my kingdom is not from here. You are a king then, Pilate asked. Jesus answered, I am, as you say, a king. For this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Now we're not going to go to that next verse just yet. Remember one of the things we look for as we read uh, the Bible is we look for a catechism connection. Can you think of a catechism connection in this section? Especially with one word that repeats Yeah. And in the Lord's Prayer, uh, when we talk about your kingdom come, what is God's kingdom? I'll tell you what the catechism kids always say. But what is God's kingdom? What is God's kingdom as we learn about it in the catechism? your kingdom come. Oh, now you're all shy. You're afraid you're going to say what the catechism kids always say. <laughs> oh. They always say heaven. They always say heaven. And what do I always say? <laughs> yeah, I always say just heaven is God's kingdom. Uh, God's kingdom certainly comes by itself even without our prayer. But we pray in this petition that it would come among us also. What is God's kingdom? God's kingdom comes uh, oh now the hard drive is stuck and it doesn't come up. God's kingdom comes when he breaks and defeats every evil plan and purpose of the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh, which try to keep us from hallowing God's name or letting his kingdom come. Uh, God's kingdom is, in the Lord's Prayer, God's kingdom is the way he rules in our hearts. And this is a text for that the way he rules in our hearts with his word. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to my voice. We hear the word of God, we believe it, and then how does that affect our words? How does that affect our actions? 
as we grow in grace, we want to follow what he tells us. This is God's kingdom. This is the way Jesus rules in our hearts. Think of that in, as contrast to the Roman way of ruling. Obey or else. And Jesus, well, kind of like the 23rd Psalm, leads us along on his righteous path. Uh, picks us up. Sets us back on the path. Uh, now, uh, my kingdom is not of this world. Uh, I talked about some of the, the people at that time and some of their expectations. You remember that? Or why were people shouting Hosanna on Palm Sunday? Okay. They thought he was going to lead them. Okay. And they would have loved. Yeah, and they would have loved George Washington. Uh, and Jesus says, "My kingdom is not of this world." He's not George Washington. Uh, he's not a political activist. He's not going to restore Israel. This is the book of Acts rather than the Gospel of John. In the book of Acts at the Ascension, one of the disciples said, Lord, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Even then, some of them were still thinking about it. My kingdom is not of this world. So if he's giving Pilate even more reason to not yeah. crucify him. Yeah, because if you were Pilate, what an impression, and imagine you're, you're a Roman brutal, you know, let's, uh, Let's rule with an iron fist and all of that kind of thing. And this guy is accused of being a king. And he's just giving mysterious, spiritual, mystic, strange answers. And he, and he, he even says right here, my servants, would, if, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, but my kingdom is not from here. And so Pilate would, would think, this is not the kind of rebellion that they're presenting it as. So Jesus talks about truth and says, everybody on the side of truth listens to me. And then Pilate says, what is truth? Uh, why does Pilate ask, what is truth? Sir. Yeah. It was more of a rhetorical question. Okay. What I what I keep going back to is had had Pilate seen a lot of truth that morning? What charge do you bring against this man? If he weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have brought him here. Claims to be Christ a king. Are you a king? No, everybody on the side of truth listens to me. And it's like Jesus might be a mystic. He might be a hippie. He 
but he's not a danger and he's not what they're presenting. So what is truth? He hadn't seen much truth that morning. Another thought is just the, the concept of truth. Pilate was a governor. Uh, the, the term that is used on an inscription for Pilate is procurator. Uh, and so he would have been involved in politics. And in what you know about politics, what is truth? Uh, people, people, people are very selective in the kind of truth that they like to talk about. So everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Uh, and so this, this goes back to the beginning, doesn't it? What charge do you bring against this man? And uh, after this, Pilate went out again to the Jews and told them, I find no basis for a charge against him. But uh, you have a custom that I release one prisoner to you at Passover. So do you want me to release the king of the Jews for you? No, they shouted back, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a rebel. Uh, so, yeah. It isn't brought out here in John, in this John's gospel, but Pilate's wife even came to him and said, don't have anything to do with this just man. Mm -hmm. That sounds like Matthew, I think. You think you, he would have listened to his wife? Yeah, well, we got, we got more stuff coming up. Uh, there are more things coming up, and then there's one thing that pushes Pilate over the edge. Uh, but, but as we have it right here, uh, Pilate wants to let Jesus go, and he says, should I, should I let Jesus go? And then the, the people shall give us Barabbas. Um, I think it's in Matthew where Pilate gives them two alternatives. You want Jesus or do you want Barabbas? And then they shout, give us Barabbas. Uh, so now, what kind of a custom was this that during Passover they could release a prisoner? Well, a holiday, clemency, that kind of thing. Uh, and uh, EHV has Barabbas was a rebel. Uh, some translate it as murder, murderer. Uh, I've even seen it translated as bandit. The Greek word uh, is lestis. Lestes, Lestes, something like that. And if you look it up, it says that uh, it's basically a, a thug, a thief who plunders and pillages, a marauder. Uh, so no matter how you translate it, not a very nice person. Somebody who's going to be a lot of trouble. And what are the what do the chief priests prefer? Jesus or a marauder? Somebody who's going to cause all kinds of trouble. Or somebody who's going to shout, stop turning my father's house into a market. 
they don't mind if he starts a rebellion, they don't care if he robs or even kills somebody, just don't say, stop turning my father's house into a market. So that's Barabbas. Now, I've prepared material for the first half of John 19, and then I got into crucifixion, and then I was done for the day. Uh, because there's a lot to say about crucifixion. We've got about 12 minutes. Um, When I was a kid, my parents had a large coffee table Bible. And it had, oh, every 100, 150 pages, it would have a full color Bible painting. And this was one of them. And I always remembered this one because it shows the scene from the back instead of the front. Like you're in the praetorium looking at this thing happening in front of you. Um, so, and that that goes with, that goes with a certain verse. So, But uh, I believe in the power of art, and art like this. Um, I think I think the Greek Orthodox people have they've got something going with their icons, not as much as they claim, but I think they've got something uh, with their devotion to art. Um, so, uh, nineteen verse one. <clears throat> Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. Now, rewind back to 18, verse 38. What does Pilate say there? Or he says the same thing in verse 4 of this chapter. No basis for a charge against him. I find no basis for a charge against him, but what does he do with him anyway? As long as he's there, he might as well get flogged. Yeah, had him flogged. And you know what flogging was? We're not going to get into crucifixion tonight. We can talk about flogging instead. <laughs> um, all these pleasant things. Is it um, with a chain or a, board with a Well, or? you're very close to a chain. Uh, if, if you saw the Passion of the Christ, you have a very good idea of what flogging was. They spent about 12 minutes on flogging in the Passion of the Christ. Uh, what it was, it was a whip, but a whip with many, uh, oh, think of leather cut in, so it's like strings. Oh, they used to, they used to even make leather shoestrings. Think of well, something like leather shoestrings, leather thongs, leather strips, okay? Maybe that long. And imagine uh, a handle, maybe about that long. And that you would have many of these leather strips, and on the end of the strips, there might be bits of stone, bits of bone, bits of metal. Uh, they have even found uh, things that were put on, uh, it was called a scourge. Uh, they've even found things that were put on these whips and it was, uh, oh, just a, like a, a metal barb with a hole in it where you could 
tie knots on each side of it so that it wouldn't slide off. So think of bits of bone, bits of metal, bits of stone that were cut and carved to go on the ends of these leather strips. And then the person was tied to a pole. Uh, and then the, the scourging was intended to destroy skin and to rip and uh, some people think because Pilate scourged Jesus he had no intention of crucifying if the Romans were going to crucify somebody they just crucified them because that was bad enough but he scourges Jesus flogs him, whips him all the same thing uh, so that Jesus will have had his punishment and that the people will get off his case. So Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. I find no basis for, uh, of a charge against him. And then he takes him and has him flogged. What does this tell you about Roman justice? Or what, what what Pilate's goals were. Well, always a show of force. Always a show of force. Yeah. So flogging was kind of a um, it was a guilty kind of a lesser sentence for something done wrong. Yeah, I wouldn't want him to do it to me though. <laughs> uh, it's um, yeah. Uh, it, it was the Roman way of ruling with force, ruling with an iron fist. Let's show force so that people are afraid to be rebellious. Uh, then because of the mention of Jesus being a king or king of the Jews, the soldiers also twisted together a crown of thorns and placed it on his head. They threw a purple robe around him. They kept coming to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they kept hitting him in the face. Uh, what would have been some of the cultural differences for Roman soldiers serving in Judea? somebody was a Roman soldier, what would they have been used to in Rome? And now they're out in Judea. Prestige. Yeah, Rome is the center of the world, isn't it? And they got chariot races. They got uh, gladiators. They got the Colosseum. They got the art. They got the architecture. They got statues. They got the emperor. And now you go out to Judea, what's out there? Nothing. Well, desert. You go to Jerusalem, there's a temple, and the Jews are weird. They have rules about how they cut their beards, they have rules about how they dress, they have rules and, and festivals that you've never heard of. Uh, and uh, all kinds of customs that would have been very strange to the Romans. And so how happy would they have been serving in Judea? Not and, very. And so they get a guy who is called the king of the Jews. How are they going to treat him? This is not just animosity to Jesus. This is them taking out their frustrations of being in Judea uh, and dealing with all the strange customs, all the strange things, and they're taking that out on Jesus. And that that, that term, King of the Jews, and we'll see Pilate using the, the term, and then you've got 
the inscription on the cross above Jesus' head. All of that is, yes, it's an insult to Jesus. It's also meant to be an insult to the Jewish leaders. So they kept coming at him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Uh, and they kept hitting him in the face. Pilate went outside again and said to them, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know I find no basis for a charge against him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Behold the man. That's the, the traditional way of translating that. Uh, I think basically what Pilate is saying is, just look at him. Uh, look at this miserable wretch covered with blood, dressed up as a mock king. Uh, Isn't he wretched enough? Uh, and then the people shout. When the chief priests and guards saw him, they shouted, Crucify, crucify. Pilate told them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. And he says it again. For I find no basis for a charge against him. Um, I think we will pause it there because now that we're getting closer to crucifixion, uh, I actually have an essay that, that I'm going to hand out, that I'll hand it out next time. An essay on crucifixion and what it was, and if you've got the stomach for it, you can read the whole thing. But that it, it has to do with the shame and just what the Romans were trying to do. Uh, it's an article written by a doctor, and he goes through everything that happened, would happen to a body. Uh, and that crucifixion is a, a very extreme form of punishment, capital punishment. Uh, so, um, all right. Any questions on what we covered tonight? These these are some special chapters because we hear this or we hear parts of this every year at Lent. So, is crucifixion yeah. was it something they used a lot or very rarely? Uh, yeah, it was really, really bad? Or? Yeah. Well, they used crucifixion. Uh, first of all, the Romans used crucifixion on people who were not citizens. Not Roman citizens. Not Roman citizens. And that Roman citizenship, St. Paul was a Roman citizen. Uh, and that got him out of a lot of trouble. He was able to travel more freely because he was a Roman citizen. But in the outlying parts of the empire, some of those countries, they, people were not considered citizens. Slaves were not considered citizens. Uh, for Romans, if they had Roman citizens, if they had to have some kind of capital punishment, they either chop off their head or, uh, like the disciple John, exile them to, the, to an island. Uh, take you to an island, just dump you off. There you go. And, but crucifixion was for non-citizens. The uh, example of Spartacus, and the Spartacus rebellion is, is history. This is something that really happened, where Hundreds, perhaps thousands of people were crucified on the roads to and from Rome. Kind of like the picture. Uh, is this something that the Romans did a lot? Uh, 
I would say, when they thought they needed to. When they wanted to, to if a rebellion was a big enough thing, okay, they're going to crush this and they're going to make sure nobody ever gets the idea of having a rebellion like that again with that kind of a display. Uh, I don't, I would not think that they would necessarily record it and in all of their histories how many crucifixions they did. Uh, but the, the Spartacus Rebellion, that is one time where we know thousands were crucified. So, uh, but we'll get into that next time. All right, let's close with prayer. Lord Jesus, sometimes we wonder what truth is to Open our ears as we hear your voice, and we hear you tell us the sweet truth about who you are as Savior and who we are as the saved. Open our ears and minds and hearts as we hear you tell the sweet truth of your love for the world and of expressing your love even to the point of death so that you could make us your own. So we pray that you would lift us up with this blessed truth, reminding us who, of who we are daily, reminding us of who we are in your world and in your kingdom. 